Did you catch that line in the song that we are pilgrims? The other night we sang, here we are but straying pilgrims. Brings to mind Peter's words in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. And I think would apply to the Lord's church here tonight that has assembled at Bobby Branch. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Tonight we assemble together to magnify the Lord and exalt His name together. Psalm 34.3 What a joy to be together in this worship hour. For what are you searching? Not to be funny, but somebody's going to be searching for a cell phone. Because cell phones are important. In this day and age, everybody has one. Great way to communicate. Sometimes I'd like to throw mine across the road. I'm sure you feel the same way. I'm mindful of the psalmist. We've mentioned the psalmist in Psalm 77, 6. How the psalmist communed with his heart and his spirit made diligent search. The psalmist was searching. We are individuals who are searching. We always want to improve. We always want to do better. And as we began this theme on Sunday, we looked and asked, are you searching for the church? And we presented the church the very best that we could from the Scripture. We also presented the right example that we should be, the authority we should follow, the salvation that is in Christ. Last evening, are you searching for a faithful home? Tonight, I want you and I to think about searching. And let me ask you a question. Are you searching for eternity. Now tonight's lesson will come from Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. Again as I began searching, if you will, scriptures that deal with search, searching, seek, looking, etc. I came across this wonderful text from Colossians 3. And it was some time ago that I preached a series of lessons from the book of Colossians, much like I'm sure Tony does and Steve from time to time. It's great to take a book of the Bible and just preach through the book. It's great, strengthens the preacher in his study, keeps the expository exposing the text, and it keeps a focus on context, helps us to grow in our study of God's Word. I love the book of Colossians. It's called the sister book to the book of Ephesians. A lot of great truths. All of Colossians is truth, but a lot of great lessons. Looking at Colossians 3 verse 1, here is where this passage came out as far as searching. If you then be risen with Christ, seek. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. Mortify or put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, Evil concupiscence, that's a unique word, we'll see more in a moment, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things say the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you walked some time 
when you lived in them. You know, as I was looking at this idea of if you be risen, question from the very outset, how were they risen? Go back to Colossians 2 and verse 12. Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. That's how one is risen in Christ is when they are buried with Him in baptism. And this parallels perfectly Romans 6.3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into His death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should be raised to walk or made to walk raised to walk in newness of life. Elaborate Paul, verse 5, For if we've been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man of sin is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth or from now on and onward we should not serve sin. That's how these individuals were risen with Christ came across this interesting quote by the scholar of days gone by, Barclay, who said, when a man was buried, the Greeks commonly spoke of him as being hidden in the earth. But the Christian had died a spiritual death in baptism, and he is not hidden in the earth, but hidden in Christ. I love that thought. And you know, as we're hidden in Christ, raised in Christ, Listen to Paul's continued desire in Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11. Paul said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul said, although I am risen, and you parallel Galatians 2, 20, crucified with Christ, Nevertheless, he lived, yet not I, Paul said, but Christ lives in me. That when we are risen, that there is a pursuit of knowing Christ. That it doesn't stop when we come out of the waters of baptism based upon repentance, based upon faith and repentance in our confession. Our life does not end. Our life begins. The old man of sin is done away. But there's a new man, a new creation in Christ. There are two things from the very outset that I want us to think about. Here they both are. First of all, my friend, if we are not raised with Christ, we are still dead. Paul commended those Ephesian brethren in Ephesians 2 and verse 1. You hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now listen to me. Because I don't know that I'm going to come back at the end and reemphasize for time's sake. And you are a sharp, intelligent group of people. You can get it the first time. Tonight, if you are sitting in your place and you've had yet to become a Christian, you are sitting there as a dead man. And I mean man is in mankind. You're sitting there as a dead man. Sin has destroyed your soul. 
Physically, you may look the best, and each of you look like you're doing as best as you can. I know some of you are dealing with ailments and all that, we know. But I look around this room tonight, and I do see people sitting upright, eyes open, focused straight ahead. But spiritually, are you alive? Spiritually, have you been risen with Christ? Have you been buried with Him in baptism? Based upon your faith in Christ, a faith that Jesus commanded that we are to believe that He is the Christ, John 8, 24. The beauty of repenting of sins that Christ commanded in Luke 13, 3 and 5, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38 and Paul emphasized it on Mars Hill in Acts 17.30 and 31. Repentance, a change of decision resulting in a change of direction. And have you confessed Christ as the Son of God as that eunuch did in Acts 8.37? And then have you been buried with Christ in baptism just like they were in Acts 2 verse 38 on the day of Pentecost? as they did in Samaria when they heard Christ preached unto them in Acts 8 and verse 12, as the eunuch did in Acts 8, verses 38 through 40. Even when Saul, or now he's Paul, told of his conversion in Acts twenty-two sixteen, Saul, why do you tarry? Why do you wait? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, if you've had yet to do that, my friend, you're sitting there a dead man. You're sitting there a dead man. May I speak to those of you that have made that decision? Secondly, if we are raised with Christ, then we need to make certain that we are doing some things. For after all, we are dead to sin, as we noted moments ago in Galatians 2 and verse 20, and yet we are alive unto Christ in verse 3. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, if you've had yet to do that, if you've had yet to make certain your life is right, dear brother or dear sister, maybe we've talked about some things this week that has got you thinking. Do you feel just as new, just as joyful, just as refreshed, spiritually, as you did when you came out of the waters of baptism, a new life in Christ? Or has this world begun to stain you little by little and we begin to doubt our salvation in Christ? I'm mindful of a preacher that moved to Texas he visited a man, one of the big ranchers there. He would come to worship, but he wasn't a Christian. And he was visiting with this rancher. He was getting to know him. He wanted to talk to him about his soul, and the rancher took him outside. And if you'll permit me, because we're on CD, it helps if I elaborate a little bit this way. The rancher took the preacher outside, and he said, Preacher! said, I own everything as far as you can see in that direction. And he pointed straight out in front of him. And he said, Preacher, I own everything you can see as far as you can see in that direction. And he pointed to his left. 
Likewise, he pointed to the right and he said, Preacher, I own everything in that direction. And then he slung an arm behind him and he said, Preacher, I own everything in that direction. And the preacher looked at him and said, Let me ask you something. How are your investments in that direction? And he pointed to the sky. Meaning, how is your relationship with God? That's the question tonight. Let me ask you something. My friend, are you searching for eternity? Eternity is a humbling thought. Do you know you and I can leave this life and enter into eternity that quick? That fast? One moment you're looking and what is around you physically, the next moment you've entered into eternity. You know that feeling. You've had family here. I love the Boyd family. I recall when that happened. Many of you are my friends on Facebook and you remember the suffering that I went through when we lost our little Ashley last year. Just like that. One moment she's here, the next moment in eternity. If you'd have told me that I would have been sitting in the bleachers watching her graduate one Saturday and two Saturdays later I'd be standing behind her lifeless little body in that church building, I'd have told you, no, that's not how life works. I'm not I'm not a drama king, okay? I'm not. But dear friend, if you know and I know that our lives should be what they should be, and eternity once again that quick, why do I want to delay when I know the right thing that I need to do this very hour? I want you to notice these four things with me if you're searching for eternity. I want you to look at these through the eyes of a Christian, one who is risen in Christ. And I will do my best to bring application for those who are not in Christ to understand that your goal would be the same. You're at different levels. Verse 1 tells us, if you're searching for eternity, you seek the things which are above. That word seek means that we put all of our effort toward it. It is the number one desire in our lives. We're going to strive after it. We're going to be careful. We're going to be persistent. We're going to have a pursuit of the goal that's indicated. You and anyone in this building especially, if you walk into the door of a church building, there has to be a spiritual interest peaked there and, and you know if you have a choice between a home in heaven a mansion that Jesus has gone to prepare over a miserable hot, scalding burning hell anybody, to quote my late daddy anybody with walking around sense is going to pick heaven we seek after those things I mean, after all, when we seek the things which are above, we're reminded where Christ is. Right now, as we labor together according to Ephesians 
those riches that are in Christ, He is on that right hand of the Father. In Hebrews 1 and verse 3, He's on the right hand of God. In Hebrews 12 and verse 2, He is on the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is right there. And when I pray to Him as His brother, His child, and I pray to the Father through Jesus, the intercessor, Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, I'm thankful Jesus is on my side. Because if He is not on my side, and I know if I'm not on His side, I don't have any hope. I'm grateful that when I seek the things which are above, I know He is right there. I have an attitude, as Paul did in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, that I don't count myself to have apprehended. There's a lot of things I don't have a great grasp on, but one thing I do, Paul said, as a Christian, I forget the things which are behind, and I press toward those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you something. Do you ever have a problem forgiving yourself? Sometimes I have had the struggle of trying to forgive myself till I kept studying I kept looking and I realized I don't need to worry about forgiving myself. If God has forgiven me, I don't have to worry about forgiveness of myself because I didn't die for myself. I put that one past. Someone says, well, you don't know what I've done. That's right, he does. And He has made everything possible to forgive you of it. I'm grateful when I seek the things which are above that I know Christ is on my side. Now let me ask you, if you've had yet to obey the gospel of Christ, doesn't it trouble you that Christ in this sense is not on your side? He's there, He's waiting, He's appealing are you treasures toward heaven? Jesus told us not to lay up treasures on this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. He said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. And he reminds us where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Can I do an example with you? Some of you may have heard me use this before. I want you to really use some imagination. I want you to imagine I'm a benefactor. I want you to imagine that I have available to do the following. Let's just say everybody in this room that tonight after we dismiss, I'm going to be sitting out there and I want you to come to me and I want you to tell me how much debt you owe. And I will write you a check and pay you out of debt. Need to put my glasses on here. I got to see the looks on some of y'all's faces. I'll write you a check and I'll put you right out of debt. Now I'll tell you what, because I love you, I'm going to write you another check, the same amount, and I'm going to let you have it and you spend it any way you want. Next thing I'm going to do is because you were here tonight, I'm going to write you personally, everybody, a check for $10,000. 
Then I tell you the next thing I'm going to do, and I'm going to do a bonus for these awesome teenagers who have listened carefully all week. If you range anywhere from age 12 to 18, no, I'm sorry, 12 is too young. If you range anywhere from 16 to 20, you tell me what you want, and I will buy you the car of your dreams. If I was able to do all that, want me to tell you the humbling thought? It still would not save your soul. It wouldn't save your soul. Sounds pretty good. You could call Dave Ramsey and scream debt free. You could do a lot of things. But it wouldn't save your soul. That's why tonight I would encourage us as Christians to think of what Isaiah said to those erring children of God. Israel, Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Because when you enter into eternity, there is no second chance. There is no opportunity to where you would say, give me one more chance. I understand now. You understand at this moment. Dear friend, if you've had yet to obey the gospel, seek Him while He is near. Don't delay that any longer. Dear brother or sister, renew your seeking of Him. Because when you seek, you notice verse 2, numbers 2 if you will, that you set. When you're seeking and you're looking and you've got the priority, then you begin to set things in place. You write it out before. It's in public view. What you seek above, what you seek within your life, people are able to see outside with your life. And the affection shows a priority where the mind is set. A careful decision. You take careful regard in that decision. You have that affection on the things above. You savor it. You think on it. You savor. You desire it. You set your affections on things above. If we seek the things which are above, then our priorities are set. To the child of God, your priorities should be set on those things above. If you've had yet to become a Christian, look what you have to look forward to. I wanted to use the PowerPoint tonight, and I really appreciate Tony's help in setting this up because I've got quite a bit of listing here that may make it a little easier you know, when you and I think about that hidden life in Christ, as we note in verses 2 through 4, your life is hid with Christ in God. There's a lot of blessings in having that hidden life in Christ. Let me pause here and say, if you're listening to this on CD and you would like the PowerPoint that goes with this, jeff.archie, A-R-C-H-E-Y, at gmail.com. That's jeff.archie, A-R-C-H-E-Y, at gmail.com. And I'll gladly send it to you. Please put it in the subject blank that you would like. Just put PPT, Bobby Branch, and that's all I need. And I will assure you, 
that I will not send you emails or put you on a mailing list that will tell you if you don't forward this email, your dog will die. I promise, I will not. A hidden life in Christ. I love it. Do you ever sing that song? He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of His love. And He covers me there with His hand. A reconciled soul. Although a sinner, ungodly, and an enemy, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, Romans 5.10. Redeemed through His blood, Ephesians 1.7. He's got me covered. Romans 8.2, I'm freed from the law of sin and death. I have a peace that passeth all understanding, Philippians 4.7. Once again, Galatians 2.20, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the Faith, the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. A life that is promised through Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 1. All of these things, that's a hidden life in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful to be hidden in Christ. If I'm hidden in Christ, it's a little harder for the devil to find me. Are you all with me? How about this? A public life for Christ. Christ is our life. People are going to see Christ in us. We talked about that example on Sunday. How people may know who you are, you may not know who they are. A faithful life according to Revelation 2 and verse 10. And people see the same individual here that they would see anywhere else. A growing life. According to 2 Peter, that should be 2 Peter 3.18. But also consider too where we invest. That's Matthew 6 verse 20. We looked at that moments ago. And when you look at verses 2 through 4, we also note that He will appear again. May we appear with Him in glory. The righteous judge, according to 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8. How there is the assurance, how in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 14 through 18, that those that even are asleep in Christ, He will bring with Him. Those that are alive will remain and go into the air to ever be with the Lord. Revelation 1 and verse 7, when He returns, every eye will see Him. Kind friend, I don't know about the Left Behind series. I don't know about premillennialism. There's a whole lot of things there that is advocated left and right. But I will tell you this, when my Lord and your Lord returns, we will know it. There will be no doubt about it. And so when I look at setting affections... How can I not have my affections on all of this here? A hidden life, a public life, and a life that will appear with Christ. Man, that is something to look forward to. But let's continue on and think further. If I'm seeking, then my goal will be setting. And then I've got to keep in mind to be separate. This is a nasty old world, y'all. It is so challenging. Satan is the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. Peter Peter depicts him, rather, as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 7 and 8. 
Satan is not on our side, but boy, doesn't he deceive us with a lot of things that pull us away from seeking and from setting our affection. You know, as I think on this, here's a truth. The more we invest in the things above, the less we invest in the things below. The more that we keep setting, or rather seeking and setting, the more that we separate ourselves from the world. The more that we keep investing above, we invest less invest less here on this earth. That word mortify means you have already been you've already put it to death. Mortify. You put to death sin. Then he comes back in verse 5 and he reminds them, you put to death the things that could kill your faith and obedience in Christ. I want you, you have put to death that old man. I want you to put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. I want you to make certain that you stay on target, that you keep seeking and setting and separate yourself. After all, think about Galatians 5.24. Paul said, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. We put that stuff aside. But know this, that if we put that aside, Satan is going to come and want us to bring it right back. Satan does not go after those whom he already has. I, I, I love preaching. I, I love to preach, but I love to hear preachers. And I love to look at word studies and different things. In Ephesians 6, about verses 11 and 12, when we're taught to stand against the wiles of the devil, tell you what I've known about wiles for a long time, and then I'll tell you on the other hand about that word wiles. Whenever I see that word wiles, I tell you who I think of. I'm going to age myself here a little bit, but it's nice to be among a group of people that can appreciate the goodness of the roadrunner. Remember his nemesis, the coyote? But do you remember his first name and his middle initial? Wile E. He was wily. He was always trying to catch the roadrunner, and he would always use things that would appeal to the roadrunner where he could get him. Do you know it's a fact that that coyote was not from the south? Because if he would have been, a 30 out 6 would have taken out the roadrunner. He was wily. He'd use every kind of thing imaginable to capture the roadrunner. When I see that word, wiles of the devil, the other day I'm listening to a good brother, can't recall who it was, said that word wiles there means, and it made me think of old Wiley Coyote, he said the devil knows your weakness. The devil knows your challenges. And the devil will come at you with your weakest moment and the weakest thing to sway you his way. The devil is smart. Read the first two chapters of the book of Job and watch how the devil works. 
That's why sometimes I cringe when people want to blame God for sickness and death. Let me tell you who I blame. I blame the one that started it to begin with. You go back to Genesis 3, and if it had not been for that serpent, the Satan as the serpent, the suffering of mankind would not have happened. Yes, we were weak and made a wrong decision. But I blame Satan for the suffering and the hurt and the pain we face. And I serve a great God who will get us through it. The God of all comfort and of grace. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Let's talk about some things we need to separate from. He lists them here. It's interesting that he lists these. But these were things they were facing then that Satan could use. How about fornication? That's all illicit relationships reserved for the marriage vows. A young man and a young lady take liberties and an affectionate, illicit way that's reserved for marriage of one man and one woman for life. Now, folks, I use this terminology because I've got a lot of little ears in here. Mamas and daddies, you need to sit down and explain these things because I'm going to tell you something. If you don't, the world will, and the world will mess it up. The world will mess it up. Anytime heathens deal with something heavenly, look out. And look at the intents. It may not be that, but it could go to uncleanness. That could come back with our speech, with our gestures, our conduct, anything near that. It troubles me when there are Christians that will speak of those in the world, and yes, if you will, in a bullying sense. We should always stand for what is true and what is right. But you can't bring people to Christ if you're going to have an attitude and a behavior like the devil. I struggle with that. Sometimes I just want to smack somebody. That's not the way to do it. Hey, I struggle. You don't see a halo above my head, y'all. Some things you really have to bite. Somebody asked me once, what have you learned in gospel preaching? A lot of times, when to keep my mouth shut. We all sin. We fall short of the glory of God. I'm not trying to smooth out sin or anything else, but I can tell you this. Sinners need a Savior. And the only way they're going to see the Savior is through His servants. How about passion? This phrase, passion here, or if you will, inordinate affection, it's a morbid and inflamed condition of the sensual appetite. Do you see how serious this keeps getting? Put internet pornography into that category. I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you don't know what your children and your grandchildren are downloading on these things, you better be getting a hold of them. If you pay the bill, you better know what's on there. And I'll even go further. 
There's a lot of young'uns that don't need a cell phone. If they get in trouble, the school will call you. If they're at a friend's house, the mama will call you. You make that call, but think about it. There are a lot of ways just with the punch of a button or two. It is amazing how you can pull things up just so quick with just punching and downloading and everything else. It's amazing how quick that is. And if you don't think that Internet pornography will rewire yourself and take you off into areas, why don't you pause and have some conversation with the doctors that we have here? Why don't you pause and look at some of the research that has carried on? I just shudder when I hear of the high percentage of people within, the, within Christi, Christendom, if you will, generally as a whole, that view it. And sometimes it pops up on you before you even realize it. Notice the depth of this. Evil desire. That evil concupiscence. Or it's a craving for something particular. That's where you come into the matter of addiction. Folks, this is scary. You see the degree, and then isn't it something Paul uses that word covetousness, which is idolatry. That, is, that, are th- that would be things we would put before the Almighty. And it would be agreed for the things that we just mentioned. It, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. We preach sermons after sermons dealing with apparel, modest dress. And I'm not going to get on the ladies only. Some of you old boys need to lighten up the tightness of those t-shirts. Some of us need to think about going shirtless. Have you ever stopped to think when you go shirtless, fellas, you're walking around half naked? Have you ever thought about that? No other woman wants to see what your wife has got. Don't go out there and start pointing at the women, fellas. We better better back up and take a look in the mirror ourselves and see what we're doing. I read the sweetest thing the other day. I thought, man, what a great idea. A lady was visiting with another woman who had her little boy with her, and the TV was on, and they were just talking, and it's playing. And a commercial popped up where a lady was not dressed her very best, and the little boy looked up at his mama, And he smiled at her and she looked down at him. When the commercial was off, he went right back watching TV. And her friend said, what's this about? She said, I have taught my little boy that when a woman is improperly dressed, she needs her privacy. Therefore, he looks away. I thought, that ain't bad. That ain't bad at all. Because if he grows up, he knows if she, there are women that need their privacy. Now, do you think that mama is well on the way to teach him the proper love and care for a woman? That's something to think about. That is something to think about. You see, we have to separate. If we're seeking and we're setting, we've got to separate. And listen, 
We're all human. The challenges out there are so great, so hard. Some days it wearies us. But our Savior is always there. Brings me to my fourth S tonight. He in essence says, don't you swerve again to the life you once lived. You seek, you set it, you separate, and you don't swerve back to it. You don't swerve back. You're a washed individual. You're a sanctified individual. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, 1 Corinthians 6.11. If you are a Christian, washed and sanctified and justified, don't turn back into the world. If you have, it's not too late. Seek Him while He's near. Set that affection. Let's also think that, yes, all of us have been there. We ourselves, once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts, pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Titus 3 and verse 3, but I love coming down to verse 5, that washing of regeneration. When I look at Titus 3 and verse 3, I can share with you and say, no matter your situation, where you stand, if you want to obey the gospel tonight, through your faith, your repentance, your confession, and baptism into Christ, you can do it. Countless others have. First Peter 4, 3. Yes. We have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, if you will, when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. He's saying this was your past. Don't go back to that past. And if you're searching for eternity, let's be reminded of a new way to seek what's above. Set our affection. Separate from the world. Don't swerve again. We've pleaded all week. We come one more time. We're not going to beat overhead. We're not going to twist arms. We're not going to sing an invitation song. Seven, eight, or nine verses. Here it is. If you're searching for eternity, it can be that quick. Please don't leave tonight without becoming a Christian. Begin a new walk with Christ. Learn and grow together. And dear child of God, don't keep letting the world pull you. Seek the Lord while He is near. Whatever your need may be, please come tonight. Let us help you as we stand together and as we sing.